Hello everybody and welcome to today's podcast. Today it's a great pleasure to have with us Grania Brennan of Premier Digital Textiles. Grania holds the position of commercial assistant at Premier and basically she has a very, very broad range of roles but she's your go-to if you're external and you're looking for fabrics, um, you're looking for information um, and of course Grania also works on product development. Welcome and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So, Grania, we've got, let's see, about seven or eight questions for you today. Um, And I think we'll just dive straight in, if that's okay with you. Yep, great. Brilliant. So, let's talk about environmental and responsible sourcing. How has the landscape of supply changed over the last two years? Um, So, one of the main changes that we've seen is an increase in customer awareness. Um, And the demand for sustainable fabrics has grown dramatically over the past two years. Um, But not only that, the demand for certification has also grown. And this increase in demand came at a time when supply was um, quite limited, actually. We saw back in 2020, Gotch reported to have found a fake organic cotton being supplied. Um, And this in turn led to farmers and spinners being decertified. Um, Gots were then testing every single batch coming through, which created a um, bottleneck, which added to the pressures in the supply chain. Um, And we also saw some mills were not renewing their certification. Um, And this was due to huge increases in price for organic uh, fibre and yarn caused by the demand outweighing the supply. So we saw differences of about 40% between organic cotton and conventional cotton. And all of this compounded with the increase in demand was a real challenge for us. Um, But we're fortunate to work with uh, trusted, fully accredited mills that we um, visit regularly. We have a good, honest relationship with and that are not willing to compromise their certification and their reputation by buying non-certified yarns. And this openness with the mill helped us manage the situation you know we were able to be honest with our customers mm-hmm. regarding sourcing and supplying the organic cotton um, we've also seen an increase in demand in recycled cotton and recycled polyester and closing the loop in production by using manufacture waste alongside um, post-consumer waste to create recycled fiber and the mills we're working with are investing in production and processing facilities, they're increasing their capacities all to help with this growing demand. It's so interesting, isn't it? We'll go we'll go we'll come back to that later on. But can we just go back to the beginning? Can we just talk about the what actually happened with with GOTS? Because you know from my side of my side of the fence I know that it caused um huge, huge, huge disruption at, right in the middle of COVID where the supply chain was already uh, very constricted. What exactly happened? Um, So I think they found um, false um, documents and false certification. um, And farmers and spinners were actually um, bulking up their um, organic cotton supply with conventional. um, And they got found out. And then this caused almost a stop in um, certification. They also... I think GOTS caused a stop and they then wanted to test every single batch then that was coming through. And this was a really slow process, which yes. meant that there was then no organic fibre or organic yarn coming through at all for quite a while. 
Wow. And I kind of, I believe as well that um, once they have been removed, once they've been decertified, basically, it takes 12 to 18 months to get recertified. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> although they had like new farmers signing up, it takes three years to actually get um, organic fibre coming through. Wow. At the time when everybody really, really wanted it. Yes, and you had um, like big retailers when the news broke out, um, securing big quantities yeah. because they knew that this um, shortage was coming. Yes, yeah. So you just ended with the bee moths <clears throat> buying up all of the organic cotton. Yeah, um, and everybody the pe- down the pecking order, I guess, really further down the supply chain, there just isn't hardly any availability for anybody. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's such a huge, huge problem. It really is. Are we getting back to normal, Ganya? Do you think the supply chain is starting to get back to normal? Um, I think new normal is the key phrase we need to use okay. here. Um, we don't expect it to go back to exactly how it was pre-pandemic, um, but we're definitely starting to see improvements compared to what it has been. Um, during the pandemic, we faced challenges at every step of the supply chain, from spinning and weaving right through to shipping finished goods to customers. You know, we were placing orders with our mills um, and being quoted a six-month lead time, whereas normally it would be four weeks. And this came from lack of yarn availability, reduced workforces due to staff shortages and because of COVID. Um, some mills were facing forced local lockdowns, um, so even moving goods within their area became difficult and then that had a knock-on effect um, and caused delays further along. Um, there were container shortages, so mills were struggling to source containers to be able to ship goods. And then when they had a container, there were delays at ports, so getting goods onto a vessel, and then delays at UK ports and with UK haulage, so getting goods up to us or us getting goods to customers. So all these delays and issues caused a lot of disruption and uncertainty but um we're pleased to see it slowly improving and we're starting to see some stability coming back now um you know we're able to quote lead times and delivery dates to customers with confidence whereas before because of all the uncertainty and the instability throughout the chain, supply chain we couldn't do this that's incredible is it so you went from a four-week lead to a six-month lead yeah wow. it was crazy <laughs> Well, all of that, we talked about this off air, didn't we? But all of that in a world of print on demand is um, is not easy. For no, not ideal. No. And how about price pointing? Has that settled down now? Because is, is it, it was so volatile because it was uncontrollable. How, how's, that, how's that working out right now? Yeah, so one of the main factors was shipping, which was causing a lot of the increases. Um, shipping costs just went through the roof. Um, uh-huh. Cotton price is still quite high. Um, it's highest that we've seen it in quite a long time. But you yeah. know we're starting to see um, prices come down back to not back to where they were, but back to a more manageable level. Do you think, Granny, that people have more of a what's the word a respect for the price of cotton now when we start to think more sustainably? Um, yeah, I think they see the added value Mm -hmm. in sustainable cotton. And um, I think as well, they're more aware of the supply chain and what is going on and um, they're more accepting of price increases compared to what they were pre-COVID. Okay. And how do you you cope with um, 
supply supply and demand at the moment then when the supply chain as you say is getting back to a new normal do you do you hold larger stocks now um yeah so we did have a period of time where you know our warehouse was nearly practically empty you know um because of all wow. the long lead times but all our fabrics are now starting to come through we have a full warehouse now um we're carrying larger stocks um and we're also um factoring longer lead times a lot mm-hmm. more than what we were previously okay okay interesting isn't it and would you kind of say that is the new normal yes you, expect, I would. you think you've kind of got to a, a new space and that's how commercial life's going to continue for the next few years yeah, I think because we've now started to see some stability, I think that's how we're going to base um, stock holdings and lead times going forward. It might improve, but um, still very cautious. Okay, okay. Let's talk about what's happened kind of post-pandemic, Grenier. What are the most requested fabric specifications after the pandemic? Um, Do you think sustainability is coming to the fore? Yes, definitely. But um, I also think it depends on the customer, the end user, the market the product is going into. Uh Um, So we're frequently being asked for lots of different certifications and specifications. Um, And it's why we felt as a company it was important to have data sheets behind every stocked fabric that we have with all Uh the relevant fabric information so such as um, typical end uses finish print type weight width commodity code um, recommended wash care instructions and then any test results that we have for the product so any abrasion results or pilling or tear strength anything like that and then any certifications that the product has so is it reach compliant is it architect compliant is it got certified um, and we see a real value of an importance with uh, sharing that information with the customers. Um, and customer demand is definitely growing for that information. You know, they want to know the story behind every product, um, what value is added to the product. And there's definitely a real appetite for um, transparency as well. Um, I read somewhere recently a statement that said transparency is not a fashion theme, but a change in the way the industry works. And I believe this is true and transparency is really coming to the forefront. Um, you know, just recently we had customers wanting to know every single step of the supply chain right back to the farmer who grew the cotton. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is why we're constantly we're working with our partners to develop fabrics that meet the specifications that, you know, customers need and want. Those customers, those are customers large and small, aren't they, Granier? Yeah, so it's um, all kinds. So you've got the smaller brands where sustainability and transparency is a main um, vision for their brand. But then you've also mm-hmm. got um, bigger print-on-demand um, companies that are pushing the green credentials and the transparency and trying to be as sustainable as possible that are also asking for all this information. Yes, because we are coming close to greenwashing, aren't we? So we've got to be very, very careful that we are able to provide the transparency required so that the companies we, we, we trade with really don't make false statements and we, yeah. they live up to their own pledges really. Definitely, yeah. Again, whether those are companies large or small, definitely. And there are lots of, you know, you see lots of entrepreneurial businesses, print businesses, who are carving a niche by being small enough to be 
transparent and to share all of the information that their customer requires to make sure that they are producing something that is both ethical, responsible and sustainable. Because there are so many, so many different assets, aren't there, to the word sustainability. It's just one word that encompasses, oh my goodness, so, 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 so many issues. Yeah, and it has a different meaning to everyone that uses it. You know, everyone interprets it the way they want to interpret it. That's very true. Yeah, very, very true. How important then is certification and how do you at Premier address this issue? Um, So certification we feel is extremely important. You know, it demonstrates accountability. It gives assurances to the consumer, you know, that we're not greenwashing and it gives us credibility. Um, Secondary to having the certification, but just as important is having a full understanding of what the certification means alongside a full understanding of where our fabrics are coming from, you know, how has it been processed and even down to how have the workers been treated. Um, so working on our team at Premier is Nick Lockett, who's our quality and compliance manager. Um, he works with our partners, ensuring all certifications, accreditations, memberships are all up to date. You know, all audits are up to date. Um, he works with the sales team, sharing his knowledge on the certifications we have and also works directly with customers, um, answering questions, advising them and also guiding them as there may be. There's like so many certifications out there, it can be a bit of a minefield. Um, Another strength we have when it comes to certification is that we work with three um, key main suppliers who we see as partners and they're based in different regions and supply and specialise in different qualities. So they're polyesters, um, fine count cottons and coarse count cottons. And working with such a small number of key partners means we have a um, long-standing direct open relationship with them we go out and visit them regularly we have a full understanding and knowledge of where our fabrics are coming from how they've been processed what audits have been done what Mm. certifications and what specifications they meet and then this enables us to pass that information on to our customers with confidence that's great isn't it if you had to if you had to say the top three i guess what are the top three certifications that our listeners should really focus on they're so 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 important um, so key certifications you should focus on are um, ones that prove the products have been manufactured in a socially responsible mill um, and that, have, that the products have been manufactured in a sustainable manner using chemicals which do not cause harm to the environment. So uh-huh. certifications that will cover this would be like Oketex, which is one of the best known labels for textiles tested for harmful, harmful substances. Um, Oketex Step which is to do with production facilities and processing stages and communicating environmental measures um, and an ethical audit such as SA8000, which is a social accountability audit. So it's an international certification standard that um, encourages organisations to develop, maintain and apply socially acceptable practices in the workplace. Great. And all of those certifications are freely available, aren't they, if anybody requests them? Yes, they are. Yeah, they have to be, don't they, moving forward? And are you are you moving forward in a in a kind of a digital way with with regards to transparency? So that um, certifications and documentation, you, you talked about your data sheets, are those all kind of now freely available for customers to access? Um yeah, so at the minute if a customer comes on they can request it from us and we'll um, okay. email it over. But we are looking at um 
updating our website and you know giving customers access to that with like a login so that they can log on and access all the data sheets from there yeah yeah it's, it's can't be can't be done overnight can it Grania? no it's a work in progress yeah. it's a mass well the thing is as well it's it's such um you know from anybody outside of the textile space listening to this is you know people don't necessarily appreciate what a massive space this is and what a complicated supply chain textiles are really yeah definitely i mean you've got hundreds of touch points haven't you hundreds yeah most most definitely do you think do you think customers your customers are asking the right questions in terms of sustainability or they kind of going for keywords and buzzwords when they when they ring up um, so we find new startups and smaller businesses are very informed. As I mentioned earlier, they're like very aware of sustainability. It right. tends to be the main focus of their brand. Um, so they know what certifications they need their products to have and what questions they need to ask. Um, our more traditional textile customers that have been for, around for many years, they're probably being a bit more reactive to what their customers are asking them. Um, yeah. And then with they're asking us, um, but they're definitely still asking questions in terms of sustainability. Um, and again, this goes back to why we felt it was important to create the data sheets so that all that information is there behind every product um, and why it's key as a supplier to have that understanding so that we can help and guide the customer if they're not asking the right questions. Do you think, Grania, that it's harder for long a company with a long legacy, an established historic textile company, to switch to sustainability than it is for the entrepreneurs? Um, yes, I do think so. I think because they've been around for so long um, and it's almost that saying of, um, you know, teaching the old dog new tricks. You know, yeah. they know um, what's worked for them in the past and it may not necessarily have been sustainable fabrics, but that's now what the consumer is starting to demand and they've got to try and make that um, switch and that transition to sustainability um, but they might not have all that knowledge behind it and, and I think that's where we come in and are able to give that guidance um, to them types of businesses. Definitely steer them in the right direction. Definitely. Yeah. How do you control price pointing with regards to sustainability and I think that for me that's going to always be a, a a stumbling block for mass mass volume producers who are working to you know very very i think that's the other thing people don't realize in textiles that people work to very very low margins don't they yeah so they don't necessarily have that much flex that much flexibility by the time everything's costed to the final product are do you think that moving forward as as the mills you know invest in new technology etc etc you're going to be able to hold the same price points or, or do we have to accept, um, and quite rightly, that the cost of producing sustainable products is going to increase the raw, the raw purchase prices? Um, I think we need to accept it is sustainable fabrics are always going to be more expensive than um, conventional uh -huh. fabrics. Um, and again, I think that, like you said, it's due to volume. You know, you then have that dilemma of, um, is a product sustainable if it's being produced in such high volume? You know, you've got to try and get that balance right. And I think, I think customers understand that organic 
products and recycled products will always have a higher price point. Um, you know, and we as a supplier have to um, pass that information on and try and explain to them why and the value that that product has compared to the conventional um, cheaper product. Yes, I agree. Yeah, 100%. Grania, a couple of questions left. What's going mm-hmm. on? This is really interesting because this, of course, sets the bar, sets the, sets the new technologies for textiles. What's going on behind the scenes in textiles spinning and weaving? What are the benefits and what, what should we look for in the future? Um, I think there's quite a few exciting new innovations that are going on, especially in terms of sustainability and traceability in the industry. Um, Uh DNA traceability is a hot topic at the minute, I think. Um, There's a Swiss company called Helixa that have developed a product which um, you can apply to cotton fibre. So it marks the fibre with a unique DNA marker, which then allows you to identify and verify along the supply chain. Whereas, you know, classic traceability solutions were things such as labels and paper trails and audits, which, as we've seen, you know, can be falsified. Yes. Um, but this product offers a solution to that by supporting product claims with um, forensic proof. I think it's the only GOT certified DNA marker on the market at the moment. Um, okay. And it's also Okotex compliant. So it can be used as additional proof for organic products and it gives customers, you know, um, more assurance and confidence in the product that they're buying. Um, And then another exciting development is uh, Fibre Trace, another traceability development. um, And that's a technology that uses luminescent pigment um, that's applied to raw fibre and then is traced and verified in real time at every step of the supply chain. So what are the benefits of FibreTrace? So FibreTrace offers um, real-time verification, whereas Helixa you have to send off to, off to a lab um, to be tested and verified. However, both give accountability and offer uh, transparency to customers. Um, FibreTrace are also working in collaboration with um, Good Earth Cotton, um, which is another interesting development to mention. Um, and this is cotton that comes from a farm in Australia, which uses regenerative smart farming techniques, so such as crop rotation, organic waste, um, low water usage. Um, and it produces carbon positive cotton. So it sequests more carbon than it admits um, across its growth cycle. And I think this type of um, development is what's going to be become more prominent over the next few years. And we're going to see a lot more of this type of thing. Definitely, definitely. Reinventing how all of it's done, really. And I guess the, the DNA tagging is a really interesting one, isn't it? And I think, as you said, the fibre trace, that, it's, that you can do it in real time, because so often, um, as you say, people can misrepresent how much organic fibre is in a cotton. Are they also using fibre trace with um, recycled polyester as well? Um, yeah, it can be added to either cotton or polyester fibre. Great. Um, Great. So, you, so you can add... You can actually check the balance that is, you know, if it's 2040, is it 2040, you know, 2040, 60, what are the, uh, what are the proportions of our pet to raw polyester pellets in there? Yes. So you can um, trace it back through the supply chain. It gives that transparency of what um, the composition is and what percentage of recycled has been used. 
it's a great, it's great. You know, Grania, it's an incredible achievement in such a short space of time, isn't it, really? It is, yeah. To, to be moving all of these technologies out into the mass market in literally 18 months, two years. I mean, I know that they've all been planned, they've been in product development, et cetera, et cetera, but the appetite post and during COVID for sustainability has really pushed, pushed, pushed the mass market, hasn't it, to start to adopt these technologies. Yes, it has. And you're really getting more consumer interest and consumer demand for it. I think before a lot of it was um, suppliers that were pushing it, but now you have that um, consumer need um, for sustainability and traceability. Yeah, It's always the same, isn't it? Supply and demand unlocks it, really. Yeah. Yeah, the, the consumer. The consumer's voice is always the most important, most definitely. Okay, um, wow, so many interesting topics there, really. We could talk forever, couldn't we? There is so, so, so much to delve into. So let's finish off on, on new fibres and our pet textiles. What's new and what should customers look out for? Um, so we're constantly pushing forward with new developments um, and we first launched our eco range. I think it's back in 2018 and we've been working tirelessly over the past few years expanding that range and it now consists uh-huh. of um, certified GOTS, organic cottons, um, certified reprieve, recycled fabrics and um, also recycled cottons in there as well. Um, but we want to develop products which are not only certified and sustainable, but also push it further and products that help close that loop in production and offer transparency to customers. Um, so we've been working on a development such as a cotton flax. So, so traditionally the best fibres um, from the flax plant are the linen fibres and these are used to be spun to create linen yarns. Um, so while all linen is made from flax, not all flax is linen. Um, so as a result, you get these toe fibres, which are a shorter fibre, um, which is produced as a byproduct of extracting the linen fibre, and these can be used to be spun into yarn. Um, so we've used this byproduct, which would normally be thrown away, uh, to create a cotton flax fabric, um, which okay. is going to be prepared for digital print. Um, okay. Can you just can you just go back a little bit there and just explain to people why short fibres are often thrown away? So the toe fibres, the short fibres, they wouldn't be um, as strong um, right. as the linen fibres. Um, so that's why they would normally be thrown away. Um, but that's why we've mixed ours with a cotton to give it that strength um, so that we can use that um, byproduct. Um, great. Yeah. It's great, isn't it? It's just, as you say, keeping all of those cellulose fibres, cellulose fibres together in the loop and being as circular as possible. Yes, it's um, important to like close that loop and you know move forward with uh, circularity rather than being a linear um, supply chain. Definitely, you're making great advances both in the um, cellulose natural roots, but you're also doing lots in um, polyester as well, aren't you? With recycled polyester, etc. Could you tell us what you're up to in that in that regard? Yeah, so we've um, introduced a few new recycled uh, polyesters into our eco range um, and we're constantly looking at um, expanding um, our eco range to create um, linen look and linen feel polyesters but using recycled um, polyester fibre. Okay, 
you have a very, very good collection of um, recycled polyester textiles. And you also have a fantastic collection of faux naturals as well, don't you? I think over the years, you know, your team have done some fantastic work with the mills to weave fabrics that look like linen or look like, you know, oh, they're, they're just fabulous. So really great, especially on the interior side. Fantastic collections. Yeah, um, and we've also got um, two new fabrics which we're looking to launch and they are um, polyester um, in composition but they look and feel like silk. Um, okay. So you've got the cheaper price point of it being polyester and you're able to sublimate it um, but it has a look and feel and handle of silk. I'm sure that's going to be very popular. Yes, we hope so. <laughs> so, c- congratulations you know you're, you're doing so 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 much great work there across both of course the fashion space and the interior decor space too we really look forward to um to yeah to continuing to work closely together and to watch watch that space really as you know the tech the whole textile landscape evolves really to a to a greener and more sustainable natural future um and I'm sure you'll agree that, you know, everybody that works within textiles is so committed to that end, aren't they? Yes, definitely. We're seeing it across, um, you know, the entire industry now. Sustainability yeah. and transparency is, it's at the forefront and it's the the talking point of the moment. Most definitely, from fibre all the way through to fabric you know everybody's heart is in it for the right reasons i think granny thank you so so much for joining us today it's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you no problem thank you for having me no no problems and i'll make sure that um all of your details and contact details are in the show notes so that people can you know take a look at some samples and feel there's nothing better than feeling textiles is there um no there isn't. Yeah. how how we can all change our choices really and become more responsible to choose fabrics that really do become circular and give us all of the um, all the benefits that we're all working so hard to achieve thank you so much granya and look forward to seeing you soon yeah thank you